On a dirt road outside of town, under the cover of darkness, a man's body floats above the ground. It moves over cracked dirt, sand, dying plant life, and exposed roots. There's a peaceful quality to his face that slips into a slow struggle to regain consciousness. It's as if he's trying to wake from a fever dream. His eyes flutter and dart around. He hears snippets of a conversation around him. Multiple voices speaking in harsh, hushed tones, but he can't quite make sense of them. His eyes blink shut. The world goes black. That same man is now slumped on the ground. There's almost nothing to identify him. His clothes blend in with the landscape, haggard and so utilitarian that they're hard to pin a time period on. He rests against the trunk of a large tree. A noose is placed around his neck. The man in this predicament is Guy. As the noose finds its place, he barely gets his arm up to fight the process. His body is limp, still in a daze. Guy struggles to get out one last plea, but the words won't come. An unfamiliar voice booms. Do it! The noose begins to tighten. Guy snaps into consciousness, realizing his impending doom. He's pulled up the tree, floating skyward, gasping, kicking, trying to plead, but can't stop it from happening. Surreal Noir by Dime Store Films. Part 1 Emptiness stretches across the landscape. A prairie on the edge of death, or a desert clinging to life. The sun beats down on a dirt road that cuts the land in half. It's a crudely assembled collage of rural Texas and the American Southwest. Guy makes his way along the road, knapsack over his shoulder. He squints into the distance. There's a rundown handful of buildings, shops, and the same dirt road that constitutes a main street. Guy makes his way to a hilltop overlooking the isolated village. He hears a faint drone in the distance, but can't quite place it. It's not important now. There's a job to be done. Guy removes a small shovel dangling from the side of his bag and starts to dig. He drops in his gear and covers the hole. He clamps his hands together and sand explodes out, dancing in the air. The only evidence he was ever there at all. Guy moseys down the main drag, taking in the dingy facades. There's nothing welcoming about them. Small shops and taverns that have been there since who knows when dot the street. The road dead ends into a town square with a shanty town just beyond it. Grime and decay climb the walls like moss, now inseparable from the structures they cling to. Various men and women mill about, rough-looking and filthy, like Dust Bowl Okies. Several of the townies are visibly drunk and spitting bile as they scream at each other. Their smell bends the air around them. The winds of heat, 
Poverty and isolation have all collided here to form a tornado of aggression that never seems to leave the ground, perpetually twirling and engulfing every bit of land it touches. Guy enters the general store, empty except for a shopkeeper. Guy approaches with a polite smile. Hey there. You lost? <laughs> yeah, you can say that. Not really from around here. Now, that wasn't a question, really. See, this ain't exactly the kind of place one just stumbles across lest they've been stumbling for a while. Then a while more. I've been looking for work. Seems like you got a knack for getting lost. Maybe someone could pay you for that. <laughs> <laughs> and how many doors you suppose I got to knock on before I find something? Oh, shit, man. I'm lucky to be working at all. And I own the place. <laughs> been that way for a while now. You mean you got enough people around here to keep you in business? I <laughs> mean, ain't like you got much in the way of citizenry around here. I'm just saying, I could probably count them off if I took off my boots. Yeah. I reckon that might be a fair observation. Hell, you're the first new face I've seen around here, and... Well, then it sounds like maybe I just keep on stumbling. But hey, which way are people pointing their toes when they're headed out of town? They mostly point them right back around. Shit, man, where they gonna go? Well, I don't know. That's what I'm asking you. Tell you what, I could draw you a map. I drop my pants, bend over, spread my cheeks apart. That little brown dot right there in the middle, you are there. The asshole. <laughs> no need for the demonstration there. Huh? Your description painted quite the picture. <laughs> Tell me, what's your name, friend? Dunn. Arnold Dunn. Most folks just call me Arnie. Well, it's nice to meet you, Mr. Dunn, and thank you for the conversation. Well, say, if you hear about anybody uh, needing a hand with anything, I'd appreciate it if you send word my way. Shouldn't be too hard to find you. Guy exits the shop and jots something in a small notebook. He enters the tavern next door. It's the definition of no frills. He takes a look around. Just a bartender and a few patrons, who all look as neglected as the bar itself. The bartender stares a hole through him as he cleans a glass. Guy approaches and nods a hello. Hey, may I ask you something? Something tells me you're going to do it anyway. You know where a guy could find a day's work around here? I'm in the business of making people forget work, not find it. What do folks do around here that need so much forgetting? The man behind the bar ignores the question. Numbers are pretty thin out there. I mean, everybody just hiding underground. Is this a mine in town? You drinking anything? Can't pay for a drink, so I don't plan on buying one. You tell me where I might correct that problem, and I'll come back here and buy a round with a lot of you. How about that? How about I go practice waiting on that? If you want charity... Go try the chapel down the road. Plenty of rubes there. He walks away and takes up his post at the end of the bar, leaving a cloud of hostility behind. Guy notices a spot of light rippling on the wall behind the bartender. Guy turns to trace the source of the light shining on the wall. He sees a man with his back turned to the bar, observing the scene through a salvaged shard of an old mirror. Guy approaches the skittish old man who quickly shifts the mirror to conceal his eavesdropping. He drifts between addressing Guy and addressing an invisible third member of the conversation. You must have a pretty good reason to watch her back. Not, uh, not particularly. Guy pulls a chair around to sit face to face with the old kook. It's a fruitless effort as the old man spins in his seat to continue watching Guy through the mirror insisting on communicating through the reflection. 
Through the mirror, a guy catches a glimpse of the man's bruised face. Someone rough you up? This place does a pretty good job of that on its own. You'll see for yourself. Yes, you will. <laughs> yes, you will. Well, patience never really been my strong suit. How about spinning me a yarn to pass the time, hmm? What do you do around here to keep your thumbs from twiddling? He bothering you? Everybody's keeping real busy nowadays. Something big. Idle hands and the like. Pretty soon, though. You know, everybody's got plans. Sure. And I'm looking to make some. I'm sure some folks do their time and then they get out to greener pastures, put up their feet, free up a spot in the line where I can put mine down. You know, I can't be the first stranger that... Through the mirror, Guy notices the bartender storming over to them. He stands, ready to exchange blows or take a beating, whatever comes first. But the Goliath brushes past Guy and places an authoritative paw on the old man's shoulder. Something the matter? Not if you're leaving. I don't think my new friend here minds the company, do you? Hey, what's your name, pal? He ain't got a name. Ain't going nowhere. That's why he's always looking behind him. The jittery old-timer attempts to shake the bartender's hand off his shoulder, but it won't budge. Hey, I'm not trying to stir up trouble. Just trying to make myself useful, that's all. Seems to me you're trying to run your mouth. You want to make yourself useful? Why don't you go make sure that door still leads outside? Okay. You boys have a good afternoon. I'm sure we will. Through the mirror, a set of pleading eyes follow Guy out of the bar. Guy saunters further down the road, ending his trek at the town square. Townsfolk mill about. Some sit in chairs, some tidy up, but no one is in a hurry. A rather demure, older fellow with glasses sits in silence atop a giant tree stump, observing the activity. In the center of the square, a large fire pit awaits its fate. Amongst them, Guy sticks out like a sore thumb. Slowly but surely, everyone stops their tasks and conversation to give him a hairy eyeball. He's not sure whether this is a threat, a warning, or just small-town hospitality. How you folks doing today? No one answers. A nod here or there, but that's about it. Guy wanders the square, observing folks making a point to go about their business. He overhears two women gossiping. Can't say as I miss him. Everyone's attention turns to a manic junkie stumbling out of a woodpile nearby. A few folks chase him off like a raccoon in the garbage, but that's the most he gets in the way of help. Guy watches the brief scuffle, but can't help his eyes from wandering to his reflection in a piece of half-buried scrap metal. The image is warped and alone. Moving on, but still feeling the town's eyes on him. Guy notices a few more aimless junkies under the protective cover of whatever high they're riding. They pet walls and run their hands along the ground, wholly disconnected from the world, but desperate to connect to something else entirely. A migration of them head toward a rundown flophouse. Guy turns to follow them, but collides with a man oh. in a black suit and white button-up shirt. Excuse me. He's either selling something, burying something, or worse. Praising something. Looks like you're in a hurry, son. What brings you to town? Just passing through. Seems the, uh, welcome wagon's long been chopped up for firewood. Guy's eyes shift back to the junkie herd as they disappear into the dilapidated house. 
The preacher gestures to the flock. Might serve you better to talk to me instead. Those folks down there, they're lost souls. They have a lot on their minds, but not a lot to say. Yeah, sounds like a lot of folks in this town. Oh, I've got plenty to say. What answers do you seek? Well, seems like there's some big project going on. I rolled in looking to make myself a part of some, but no one seems to appreciate an extra hand and a strong back to share some of the load. What's the story? Oh, folks around here don't trust their neighbor, let alone a stranger. That's why I'm here, to be the beacon through the fog, to show them one path we can walk together. Shit, you get paid by the word? I reap plenty of reward from his word. Sorry, I ain't much for religion. Come now. We're all trying to make sense of things. You may not call it religion, but a man with so many questions is looking for answers. And that's the same thing. Then let's say I was never one for poetry. Over my head. Guy nods and sees himself out of the conversation. Come to one of my services. I promise we aim lower than the head, sir. We aim for the heart. The spirit. Arriving at the junkie's safe haven, Guy takes a look around. The house is silent. The windows are boarded. The whole thing looks a strong wind away from collapsing. Despite the structural tightrope act, Guy pounds on the door. Nothing. He pounds again. Nothing. Frustrated with the lack of progress from today, he searches the perimeter for a way in. He makes his way to a flimsily boarded-up window in the back. Guy makes sure the coast is clear and pries up one of the loose boards. Boosting himself up, he slides into the opening, slicing his hand on an exposed nail on the way inside, landing with a thud. Guy shakes his hand. Despite it happening a few heartbeats ago, the cut already seems to be cresting infection. There's really no time to tend it, as breaking and entering comes with a clock that only counts down. He creeps around the house, going from room to room. Garbage crunches below his feet with each step. The amenities are nothing more than soiled mattresses here and there, busted up furniture. The walls are covered in hand-drawn lines and symbols. It's hard to tell whether it's a maze, graffiti, or a, a poor attempt at sprucing up the place. Moving to the next room, Guy sees a grid of X's, some kind of tally. A few of the X's are circled. In another room, he finds a suicide note, a goodbye of sorts. Guy makes note of all this, trying to draw some conclusion, but he's not sure what's significant and what's nonsense. Mostly it's squalor. Guy steps towards the exit and finally bends down to examine what's been crunching under his boots. They're spent matches. As he runs the ash between his fingers, he notices there are hundreds of burnt matches littered throughout the house. Guy heads to a busted sink in what at some point in time used to be a kitchen. He tries to tap, eagerly awaiting water to wash his wound. But nothing comes. As night begins to fall, Guy gathers himself at his base camp outside of town. He pulls his knapsack out from its hiding spot and inventories his supplies. A canteen, shovel, a few changes of clothes, a crude bowl, and an old boxy radio that looks like a military model from a war long over. Guy rinses his wounded hand, careful to conserve the water. The pus and grime from the wound washes away easily, like it was costume makeup. All of a sudden, like magic, it's all but healed. 
He takes a look at his notes so far, each page a different stop on his ill-received tour, but there's not much to go on. With the day's information digested, he pulls the radio over and begins to tweak the dials past the static, then past nothing, and finally lands on the frequency he's been looking for. Checking in. Got planted a little bit ago. All you need are their names, right? Just bring you their names? I don't need the who. I need the how. How are they getting out? Wherever this signal is coming from, it sounds a million miles away and buried underground. Ain't exactly the good Samaritan love thy neighbor type, okay? Well, you think they'd be there if they were? They don't want to cough it up, play doctor, and grab some balls. It's gonna take some time, okay, before they decide that their business is my business. Now, I don't think I can just go around Nick, and... this isn't an intellectual exercise. You were delivered because you had a skill set. You used to be a private dick, yes? You don't think we chose you for a reason? Sitting behind a camera outside a seedy-ass motel, waiting on a guy screwing his wife's sister is a little different than- Oh, so now you're just a public dick. Take all the time you want remembering how to do your job. But look around you. The longer you're out there, the more that place will seep into you. You blend in too much, you won't be able to just walk right out. As the voice berates him, Guy stares silently, haunted by the more gruesome images he witnessed in town. An old man, leaning against a shattered tree trunk, shuddering in pain. His left arm covered in a mess of scabbed over and festering wounds. The grimy moss climbs upward, taking over half his face. A bottle weighs his other hand down. A woman covered in dirt and sand tears off a piece of her already tattered dress and wipes the sweat from her brow. She gingerly brings the barely moistened cloth to her lips and begins to suck on it like a newborn to a nipple. She notices Guy and gives a crazed, toothless <laughs> smile. A wild pack of townies in a brawl. Even broken limbs don't stop them from going at each other. Until there's nothing more than a bloody mess of fists and wild eyes. Guy snaps out of the disgusting tapestry and focuses again on the voice from the speaker. Guy hangs his head, coming to the only conclusion. He has no choice. If they're onto it like you say they are, it's not going to be out in the open. I'm going to have to dig for it. Well, then get your hands in the dirt and fast. Otherwise, I'll do a pretty good job of forgetting you real fucking quick. The radio spits back static. Guy switches the radio off and packs it away as the light leaves the sky. A swelling of voices grows in the distance, drawing Guy's attention back to the town. Of what he can make out, the townsfolk are gathered around a bonfire, an undulating siren dressed in orange and gold. He buries his gear and heads back into the fray, knowing that the only way out is through. No Better Lot is an original production of Dime Store Films. Written and directed by Christian Grinelli and Hunter Norris. Narrated by Stan Adams. Performed by Mike Schminke, Brittany Baker, John Mossman, Travis Delgado, Jim Solturos, Christopher Meister, Brian Noonan, Matt Young, Adria Dawn, Marshall Crawford, Anthony Dobrowalski, and 
and Sandbeck. Original score by Abby Rajeshaker and Matt Wenzel. Engineered by Brian Bachman. Dialogue and narration engineered by Nick Sherman. Recorded at Decade Music Studio in Chicago. Sound design and mix by Matt Wenzel. Script supervision by Jake Weissman. Casting by Sarah Clark. You can find us on the internet at NoBetterLot.com and DimeStoreFilms.com and on social media at DimeStoreFilms.